Lillard, pull up. A foul called with one point. What's up, guys? Welcome to Birdwatch. I'm Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com and The Advocate. Here today on Friday, a little before noon, uh, a little before I veg out of my couch for 10 straight hours and watch college basketball, we're going to give, we're going to talk a little bit of Pels here. Um, two disappointing losses to the Trailblazers in Portland. Um, the trade deadline is also six days away. But first, I want to start with this. Jeff, I didn't realize until two days ago that we were. NBA Top Shot Brothers in Arms. How's that going for you? <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I got in uh, a little earlier than uh, than some others, and uh, I've I've spent way too much of my time on NBA Top Shot the last few weeks. I, I will admit <laughs> that uh, there was a drop this morning that I got in, and uh, I just opened it before before we got on here, and I added another piece to my quickly rapidly declining in value Pelicans collection with yet another Steven Adams moment. it's uh, It's been quite a ride. But hey, if you are looking to pick up Pelicans players, now is the time. <laughs> yeah, the stock couldn't be much lower right now uh, for the unless Pelicans. Unless you're Zion. <laughs> yeah, unless you're Zion. So wait, did you, did you purchase this on the marketplace or did you get it on the pack drop that was this morning? Well, I actually already had the same Steven Adams moment that I picked up on the marketplace uh, last week for like $6. Uh, <laughs> not very high. And, uh, it was in the pack that they dropped this morning that I got. So now I have two. So if anyone's looking for a Steven Adams moment, get at me. I tried to get in on the all-star pack drop this morning. I think there were 36,000 packs. I was number 95,000 in line. And nice. I, I just, I immediately jumped out of line because I was like, this isn't happening for me. And I was texting a, a friend who lives in Washington, DC. And he was like, 200,000 in line. So, you know, I was, I was sitting there feeling like pretty bad for myself. It's like, Oh my God. Like I, Wait, you were 95,000. <laughs> yeah. I was 95,000 in line. I was 12, around them. So you, you got in on the all-star pack drop. Yes. That's where I okay. got my Steven Adams and, and, uh, the all-star. <sighs> so there was one rare moment in there or for each pack had one rare moment. And I got Rudy Gobert, which is objectively the worst possible outcome <laughs> of all the all-star players. Was it, Ru- was it a Rudy Gobert screen assist? <laughs> it was a dunk. I, I didn't even watch it. I was just like, God damn it. But uh, I, did get, I did get a LeBron, uh, a LeBron moment in there. So that'll, uh, that'll make it worth my while. You, you don't sound like you understand how lucky you were to like even get in on that pack drop. Oh, no, I do. I do. Okay. I tried to get on one the other day, and I, I was like, like two hundred and thirty thousandth. Okay, <laughs> so. it was. It's not easy right now. It's no. not easy at all. Nope. But I've I also, th- I've also kind of have it said. I've been doing it long enough that like I don't put money in there anymore. That's kind of how I justify it to myself. Is I've been in enough drops that I have like enough equity built up that when they like because this drop this morning was two hundred and twenty nine dollars. <laughs> like that's yeah. the crazy part is there was two hundred thousand people waiting to spend $230. <laughs> and I justify it to myself by saying like, I'm not putting any more money in, like I'll sell some cards and just get enough money in that account that if I do get it, I can just, I can just spend that kind of make believe money that I have in there already. Uh, and that's what I did. So it, it makes me feel better about it. <laughs> and I didn't sell my Kyra Lewis 
my crown jewel Kyra Lewis rookie moment. I still have that. <laughs> so after like learning about this a little bit, I wrote a story about it last week. Um, talk, talked to Josh Hart a little bit about it, who's who's super into it. I think it's a super cool idea. I love that they're you know working with the NBA on this, but there are some red flags, like the fact that people can't pull their money out even if they wanted to. The fact that every pack drop is delayed. I mean, they're still in beta, but uh, there are some, I guess, causes for concern. But, you know, I still I still enjoy it. I'm not, you know, that invested into it. I've got three moments. I bought a, a Zion Williamson dunk. I've got, like, a Lou Dort reverse layup, and then I've got a Nikola Jokic pass. <laughs> I mean, I've got, like, the bare minimum number of moments to participate in some of these pack drops. Yeah, I... Once, if you don't use Discord uh, and you want to get into Top Shot, I highly recommend learning how to use Discord and getting into that Discord because that is the only way to get like real updated information uh, <laughs> because they don't, they don't update Twitter enough. But yeah, it's, I, I would be careful with how, how you approach it because yeah, you can't withdraw money until you get approved, which takes like, they say 30 to 60 days. And <laughs> I'm not even, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the number of people, there's only like 6,000 people that are eligible to withdraw. And you go into these drops and there are literally 200,000 people waiting in the drops. So that just tells you how few people can actually take out money. And I think part of the issue is they're concerned that if they just allow everyone to take out money at one point, they'll all pull out their money and then the entire market collapses because that's a, uh, you know, that's how people operate. But yeah, it's uh that's why I like, I'm, I'm okay with kind of getting in on these drops as long as I'm not actively like funneling money into it. Cause that's just too much. And, and we should probably, in case anyone's listening to this, they're not all $200. There was one the other night that was $9, which is much more gettable. <laughs> uh, Gettable in terms of paying for it, not not in terms of getting one. But it's fun. It's just a it's a it's a community building thing. I think there's a, real, a lot of energy, and it's fun to be able to get these these moments, even though they're it's kind of confusing because it's like you can watch these plays anytime you want. Why does this have value? Uh, and the answer is it has value because people have decided it has value. Because <laughs> that's right, how right. The, everything that's how money works. And I feel like, you know, the, the counter to people who are, are skeptical of NBA Top Shot is, well, I can just go on YouTube and watch this highlight for free. And, and you know, what, what people say to that that I've heard is that's the equivalent of, you know, getting like an NBA or an NFL trading card and just photocopying it and, and walking around with it and saying, I, I've got this trading card now, right? I mean, is that, do you feel like that's right. the right? Like cutting a picture out of yeah, a magazine. Yeah, do you feel like that's the right analogy? Yeah, it's it, so it's it can get really kind of tedious and complex to explain when when you kind of dive into the the blockchain elements and the uh, all that. But yeah, I mean, there's there's just an intrinsic value in owning something, and there is a there is a limited number of of what you can buy, and that's always going to uh, create a market underneath something. And that's not the case with a video that you can watch. Uh, the fact that it's officially licensed by the NBA, if this was a random company doing this, if this was tops, there would be different because there is no physical item in your hand, but that's not like, you know, because the NBA is backing it and it's dapper is the, is the, uh, crypto company that they're working with. Like that's, that's where you kind of get that value added. Um, and 
Josh Hart is a great example because part of the reason this has blown up recently is because the players themselves are really getting into it. Um, and, and Josh is kind of a nerd in its own right. So that he's, he's the, you know, poster child for someone who would get into it. You know, he's the big gamer and he's, you know, he plays world of Warcraft and all that. And so this, this is right. <laughs> this is right in his lane. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's been the cool part to watch is the kind of the players, uh, like Zion was asked how one of his dunks went for like $17,000 and he was like, wasn't even my best dunk. Um, and that, that's kind of the fun part of it. <laughs> Yeah, there was a funding round, and there were like six NBA players, Tyrese Halliburton, Andre Iguodala were among that group who put in like a couple million dollars. So like a couple of these guys have even participated in like, you know, like a, a pretty serious funding round. Um, but you use the word blockchain, which means it's time to talk about real basketball. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's the point in this conversation where we exit the highway and then start that's talking fair. about real basketball. Um, let's, let's start with the game on Tuesday. The Pelicans were up 16 points with with 5:56 to go in that game. NBA teams that I'm sorry, they're up 17 points. NBA teams that had a 17 point lead or greater in the final half quarter of a game were 236 in all this season prior to Tuesday night. The Pelicans managed to fumble it away. Um, that was just gutting. I mean, that was awful. They had I don't know, like nine. 10 chances to completely close the door in the trailblazers. They couldn't do it. I mean, what to you was the worst part of, of those six minutes? The fact that I, that I could see it coming from so far away, <laughs> you know, I, I don't even think there was a moment, a specific moment. You probably could say the free throws um, were the most brutal part of it uh, because you have a guy, you got exactly what you wanted. There was so many parts of that game where they didn't, ex- or down the stretch at least, where they didn't execute correctly, where they threw the ball out of bounds, where Steven Adams got an offensive rebound and just kind of fumbled it out of bounds, where they didn't box out on Damian Lillard. But all they had to do was execute <laughs> on the play that they got right. They got the ball into Brandon Ingram's hands. <laughs> they got their 88% free throw shooter to the line, and he missed both. I, I don't even it's, – it's hard to – I think uh, one of our sports editors, Zach Ewing, uh, put the, did the math, and it was like there was a 1.5% chance of Brandon Ingram missing both free throws, like percentage-wise. And – but it, at the same time, it was like you, you could see it coming. It was, you know – it was like you're, sta- you're you're on the railroad tracks and you can see the train coming and you just have powerless to move, um, but yeah that that has to be what it was for me, and but but like they've had these games already this season the game against the Jazz that they won was close to this they almost blew that game and they clung on to, for dear life at the end, uh, the Pacers game they led by six with what thirty seconds to go and found a way to lose like this is the team that. They're better at losing games than they are at winning games. Uh, and, uh, I mean, even in the third quarter, I sent out a tweet. It was like, the Pelicans have been great. They have played incredibly well through three quarters of basketball. But the, the tougher question is, can they close it out? And they, you know, they proved that they couldn't. Um, I think that you've also seen two games against the Blazers this year where you look at, okay, what is the actual, like, real-life win-loss value of Drew Holiday? Uh, and those two games specifically where Damian Lillard just just blew up uh, down the stretch are, are I think that's like a clear two games that you have lost 
that you would have won last year with Drew Holiday, in my opinion. Yeah, the the Ingram missed free throws were gutting. I mean, like you said, that's exactly who you want in that situation, and the fact that he can't deliver, I mean, was was really, really disappointing. I mean, it was a classic example of a team snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, it was is just brutal. I know, you know, the part Stan Van Gundy um, liked the least was the play where they forced a three-point miss. Like, Dame drove, kicked it out, they missed the three, and then there's three Pelicans and Dame Lillard around the basket. And somehow Dame Lillard, six foot two, comes up with the offensive rebound. You know, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. I can't remember who the third player was standing right there. But it's like, how do you let that guy get the offensive rebound in that moment? He kicks it out to Gary Trent Jr. Bam, hits a wide open three. That cut it to four with like 3.30 to go. That was the play where I was like, that made me sit up in my seat. Like, okay, like, I, I was maybe a little bit nervous. That was the play. I was like, Oh God, like they can really lose this game. That's just, that's just a play you have to make. I mean, you have to make the, that play in, in that moment. I mean, I think they win the game if they just get that offensive rebound. Um, there were anytime you blow a seven, you blow a lead like that. There's at least five, six plays that if you made them, you would have won. Right. And that's, and that's the amazing part is every single one of those had to happen. The Blazers made 31 of 31 free throws and won by one point. Think about that. <laughs> so I, I threw this up. I threw this up um, Tuesday before the game. Um, you know, I pointed out that like if you just look at offensive rating and defensive rating, the Pelicans and the Trailblazers are almost identical. I think they're one spot away from each other in each category. I don't know if that's still the case after those two games, but like. It was like the Blazers were 6th in offense and the Pelicans were 7th in defense. And the Pelicans were 28th in offense and the Trailblazers were 29th in defense. Well, how is it then that, that Portland had you know, 7 or 8 more wins or whatever it is? How is it that Portland is going to be in the playoffs this year and Pelicans are going to be look like they're going to be a lottery team yet again? I mean, the biggest reason is that the, the Trailblazers are killers in crunch time. And that's because of Damian Lillard. I mean, Dame's been the best crunch time performer in all of the NBA this season. I mean, Pelicans fans know that better than anybody. Um, and the Pelicans offensively are just a disaster in crunch time. And, you know, I think this has been an issue that's been building and building over the course of the season. Like, Brandon Ingram was kind of the go-to guy last year in crunch time, even more than Drew Holiday, if you just look at, like, the field goal attempts. He's taken the most field goal attempts in crunch time this year by, like, 15 um, something, something needs to change. I mean, Stan Van Gundy acknowledged it after the game Tuesday that, you know, when, when the game does slow down, that the crunch time offense needs to flow through Zion a little bit more. Like, I think like, frankly, that, that should have been obvious for a while now. I thought after that win against the Celtics, when they did play through Zion a lot at the end of the game, they won that I, I figured, Oh, this is the template for how they're going to play late and close games. And they haven't done that exactly. You know, another thing Stan Van Gundy talked about was just, you know, the pace stalls out a little bit. I mean, I think part of that's natural, but part of that you have to fight against that and and try to play fast and swing the ball to side to side. But, I mean, they've been an awful crunch time offense all season. And, and I mean, that's kind of, you know, what cost them really Tuesday. Yeah, one thing that's kind of stuck out to me is it seems like there were games where they go to Zion and, and they try to hammer Zion in the second half and down the stretch. But those seem to be the, the games that they're behind is when they – they fall into that when they're ahead. It seems like it's Brandon Ingram's show for whatever reason that is. Um, and that's what happened 
against the Blazers the other day. Uh, last night, in a, in a much different game, a much more low-scoring game, they were behind. They were trying to come back, and it, all of a sudden it was Zion – uh, who did that? And he almost got them back in the game. I have very strong feelings about that uh, that block that was overturned into a charge. I thought that was a terrible, terrible call. Um, and it's just a small guy falls down, big guy gets the foul type call. And that completely changed that game. They turned a three-point play into an offensive foul, and then CJ came down and hit a three on the other side. Uh, huge swing. I think that was the, that was the end of the game right there. But... Um, you can see these types of, of games where they just differ. Like uh, Miami earlier in the season, very similar scenario. They were down big. All of a sudden, they start going to Zion. He brings them back in the game. They can't get over the hump. Uh, and there have been a handful of games like that Celtics game, for instance, where they don't kind of shift to that until they're behind. They don't, seem to, they don't seem to feel like Zion is a closer in games where they're ahead, um, whether that's a conscious decision or kind of a subconscious, like, okay, we, we have a little wiggle room. We can do get a little more fancy here. Uh, I don't know. But I think there's a pretty clear trade-off in how they play with a lead and how they play when they're behind. Yeah, that, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, they just have – I mean, we've, I think we've seen them, you know, learn to play together better over the course of the season. The ball movement is a lot better. I think they know each other's tendencies better. I mean, they have 38 assists in, in back-to-back games there. Um earlier this week but there are those instances when you know they get stagnant and that's when they get into trouble a lot I thought Zion had some pretty interesting comments after Tuesday's game you know when he's asked about the late game struggle he said basically said I'm paraphrasing everybody's heart's in the right place like they want to do the right thing um, but they're just not doing the right thing and this is kind of my read on it this is just my opinion I took that to mean Brandon Ingram, like, you know, wants to be the guy. And, you know, that's that's kind of like noble for him to, you know, want to put the team on his shoulders late in games and try to win them the game. But the way he's doing it right now is just not working. And they need to adjust a little bit and, and try to play, you know, in the final five minutes like they play in the first 43 minutes, which is moving the ball. And, it, like, you just can't. You can't have these possessions late in games, I don't I don't think, where Brandon Ingram's just dribbling the ball up and, and no one else touches the ball in the half court and he's putting up a contested 15-footer. I mean, I don't want to put it all on him. Like, this team has a lot of, lot of, lot of issues, as we, as we saw Thursday. But, I mean, I think that's part of it, is that Brandon Ingram just, just has to trust in those moments. Yeah, that's definitely fair. One other thing that I will point out about the game on Tuesday, not so much the game on Thursday – is, you know, part of the reason they had such a big lead at that point in the game was they got a huge performance from Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who he'll get remembered for that turnover at the end and kind of not uh, running into the backcourt, which is, I think, what you what Lonzo would have expected him to do. And he had a great game. You know, he had a, he had a great scoring game, and everyone from Nikhil to Josh Hart, even Jackson Hayes, had good performances through three quarters. Uh, and I think that when you, when you kind of look at the – the long-term um, growth of these players, that is that is big, and a win would have been a great building block. It turned into a loss, which turns into this terrible memory. Um, and I think on a, on a road trip, that's hard to get over, and I did not expect much on Thursday. And how but. many of those have there been this year? Where, like, 
you know, that that game in the Indiana game really come to mind as how in the world do you lose these games? I mean, you've you've almost put away like pretty good teams and you just, you know, can't make that final play. Like at, at some point, ah, man, that just becomes who you are. I mean, it's just yep. it's just so disappointing that this continues to happen. I mean, Stan Van Gundy, like he looked out of answers after that game Tuesday. Like and it was I don't want to say it was funny, but like, you know, the camera flashed over to him after Nikhil fumbled the ball out of bounds. And like, he just had this look on his face where it's like, I mean, like, like, what are we doing? You know, like, I don't, maybe slight bemusement. Is that the right way of putting it? Exasperation. Like, yeah. Cause it wasn't like, a, it wasn't even a surprised look. It was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Of course that would happen. It's us. <laughs> I did question in that moment, the decision to advance the ball. Um, because when you're trying to score, I think advancing the ball is a huge benefit. Obviously, you don't have to bring the ball up. When you're just trying to inbound the ball, I almost think getting it in the backcourt is is easier. Um, I don't know. That's that was kind of that's a very hindsight is twenty twenty type thing. Uh, but yeah, it's Stan. Stan is uh, has aged. 20 years I think this season <laughs> uh, this has been a tough go and I think he sees what a lot of other people see which is like there are these flashes there are these moments where you're like wow this is a team that should be in the playoffs it should be a competitive team in the west and then you have this fourth quarter where you remember exactly why they aren't um, and I, I don't know I know we're going to talk about the trade deadline uh I've had a few people say, well, chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. And it's like, you don't get, you don't get to talk about chemistry when the team is, is performing <laughs> and, and dropping games in the way they are. Chemistry is a luxury for the good teams <laughs> to worry about, not the teams in the Pelican situation. Yeah. Um, but before we get into trade deadline stuff, let's, let's just go in on Thursday's game a little bit. I mean, I thought, like, to me, that game felt – um, almost over after the first quarter when, you know, the Pelicans had given up 50 on Tuesday night to Dame, and then he comes out and scores 21, just absolutely shreds their pick-and-roll defense. Um, the Pelicans have got to be thankful that the Trailblazers aren't on their schedule again this season because there is nothing they can do with Dame in, in, in the pick-and-roll. I mean, you know, when Steven Adams drops, like, obviously that's – that's probably the worst thing you can do against Damian Lillard. Like he's just going to pull up for that three and it's, it's almost an automatic shot for him. Like Dame is probably the second worst matchup for the Pelicans in the entire league. I would say like maybe Steph Curry, like guys who are just, you know, can pull off like the pick and roll from deep like that. Right, from, and then when Steven Adams, stupid deep, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can run that screen so high that, you know, for Steven Adams to jump out on it, you're giving that roller so much space if it was anyone more athletic than Ennis Cantor it would be an automatic <laughs> layup yeah. probably but yeah it's ugh. they did it three times in a row at one point in the first quarter <laughs> and it worked all three times anyway sorry and and then when Steven Adams gets up I mean like Dame is still getting around him I mean it's like if you're dropping and he's killing you but then you're getting out and like trapping him and he's still killing you I'm just not sure what there is to do. I mean, now they did play better defense over the last three quarters uh, on Thursday. I mean, we should say that. I mean, really, their issue in the last three quarters was they couldn't make a shot. But, 
I mean, Steven Adams just has a really tough time against Dame in, in, in the pick and roll. And I mean, I, I've almost felt like in those two games, like, man, Jackson Hayes is the better option to defend the pick and roll, which seems crazy considering where we were two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I think I, I mentioned this. I want to say after the last time they played the Blazers, I could be wrong. It might have been a different game. But I actually think that Jackson Hayes as a perimeter help defender is the best option you have in those situations. You know, if he can get to the point where he's only using his, like, natural athletic abilities correctly, you're at a way, way higher baseline with Jackson Hayes. Um and uh, I, I think you, what you saw in these last two Blazers games is Steven Adams' foot speed, his mobility has been was very badly exposed. You know, he's he does yeah. not have that. That is not the part of his game that has made him, you know, a good NBA defender. And uh, the Blazers just ran that to death. Um, but yeah, I think when that's how you're being attacked, Jackson Hayes actually has a much better time dealing with it because not only does he have a bit more speed and athleticism, he's got that length that he can lag back off of that. He doesn't have to jump out on the screen. He can still contest the shot. And that's, you know, when they were able to slow Dame down a little bit, that's what was happening is he was forcing Dame to actually shoot overhand um, and not jumping out right off the screen, which, which helped a little bit. And I actually, yeah, you wrote about Jackson a few games back. He obviously has his his stretches where he just looks completely lost. But I actually have been, I don't want to say impressed, but mildly like encouraged by what I've seen from Jackson in terms of just kind of, you know, not making the same mistakes over and over again and getting in the right spots, especially on the defensive side of the ball um, over the last few games for him. So... Uh, you know, all the negative things I'm going to say today, I think that's that's one positive thing I can say is I think you are seeing some growth from Jackson Hayes, which uh, is is at least nice. No, I mean, I agree with you. Um, I think he has improved since since he basically got benched there for for most of February. Um, you know, it look, I saw I can't remember who, but somebody joked on Twitter like it looked like somebody uploaded a computer chip in his brain that was like, here's how to play basketball one-on-one like uh, during his time off. Yeah. I like know a, little, <laughs> a little matrixy. Um, like he, he doesn't look lost defensively, um, which is a real positive for him. Like, you know, obviously like he, he can always block a shot here and there because of, I mean, just ridiculous athleticism, but like the plays where, you know, he has to cl- like, close down 10 feet and close out on somebody um, and he doesn't get blown by and he can test a mid-range shot without fouling. Like I've seen a number of instances of him doing that over the past few games. And to me, that's really, really encouraging. Like that's, that's winning basketball. That's something you can build on. So yeah, if you're, if you're searching for silver linings and God, you, you've got to search hard right now because it's, it's bad. Um, that is, uh, that is one of the few is that Jackson is, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's figuring out what we're not, we're not saying, <laughs> right, right. we're not, let's, let's couch this. <laughs> the phrase, the phrase is figuring it out and turning corners is banned in this podcast. Um, but, uh, he's been better. I'll just if say you own Jackson Hayes NBA top shot moment as I do, uh, <laughs> you're feeling a little better. Let's put it that way. Which top shot moment do you own of his? He only has the, one. It was that like trebuchet dunk. Um, oh, the slingshot dunk? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I and I bought it speculatively three minutes after he murdered Reggie Jackson <laughs> because I was like, oh, this is going viral. And it actually, it did increase in value like pretty, pretty much overnight. But yeah, and that's the thing with Jackson. You will always, always have the, you know, murder highlight potential. And, and that there is some, you know, uh, there, there is fun in that, whether, whether it comes in a win or a loss, it's always fun to see. Um, so it's got the floppy hair. He's a fun guy. I want him to play well because I want to see him out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sideshow Jacks, baby. That was such a weak technical, too. I mean, come on. Like, let, like if you see a dunk like that, let the guy have fun. I mean, all he was doing is tapping his head. That wasn't, that wasn't like <laughs> was, Randy Moss mooning so anybody. The best part was, like, I'm pretty sure that was a charge. <laughs> but it was such a good dunk that they just let it go. Like... If that's not if, if Reggie Jackson is standing there and you dunk through him, it's a charge, right? Am I crazy? He didn't jump over him. This wasn't like Vince Carter. Uh, anyway, no, that was not a charge, Jeff. Because the dunk was so good. That's the only reason, right? Like by rule, that's a charge. <laughs> Reggie Jackson's literally standing there, and he got murdered in cold blood, and then you know where that's not a rule. You know where that's not a rule? My rule book. <laughs> it's not it's not if a If the dunk is good enough, book. fouls don't count. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that's a healthy rule for the NBA. <laughs> that is a healthy rule for the NBA. Um, okay, so the Pelicans are 17 and 24, tied with the Thunder. They're three games out of 10th place with six days remaining until the trade deadline. Um I mean, just just purely looking at where they are at in the standings, I don't I don't know how you could feel anything other than they should be sellers at this deadline. Um, I mean, it just it's just hard to imagine, you know, how they could be buyers when 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 things are like this. Um, there were uh, some interesting comments made by Lavar Ball on Thursday in a radio <laughs> interview in Los Angeles. Um, it was funny. I got picked up by Clutch Points, and like they, Clutch Points kind of got it wrong. Like I went and listened to the interview, and like Lavar wasn't really saying Lonzo hates New Orleans and he doesn't want to be here. Lavar was saying that he, Lavar, was dissatisfied with the role Lonzo has. You know, playing more off the ball in the half court, um, which you know I think you could counter by saying, well. You know, he's arguably playing the best basketball of his career right now. The Pelicans have been the number one offense in the NBA for almost a two-month stretch. This and that. Um, you know, I, I normally I normally try not to even like listen to Lavar Ball. Like, I think players and their parents they're separate things. You know, and like parents parents are just kind of irrational. Like that's just that's just what parents do, even from like sixth grade basketball on. You know, um, so I don't know. I. I wrote about it, but I tried to like give it the proper context. Uh, but anyway, Lavar Ball said a thing. But <laughs> where where are you at? Just I mean, on Lonzo as we approach this deadline. I mean, he's playing a lot better since he sat down for those games in January. I mean, what what do you think will happen? And and if you were David Griffin, I mean, what do you think should happen here? Well, first, yeah, I think well, what 
the interpretation I had from Lavar's comments was basically he's kind of annoyed that Zion has the ball in his hands as much as he does. He, he's not a right. fan of point Zion. He wants playmaker Lonzo, and that's always been the case, so I don't think that's anything shocking. It's honestly the most shocking thing is we haven't heard this more, right? Like this hasn't been something we've seen headlines about every day, but I digress. In terms of Lonzo, I, I've said this from the beginning, which is like – I approach NBA trade deadline and NBA trades as kind of a stock up, stock down type valuation where if you were planning to trade Lonzo Ball, it doesn't matter how he's playing now. All that means is you have the opportunity to get a better return than you did before. Um, And the situation that would have changed that is, okay, this team is playing at a level that justifies keeping him around, that justifies you know, possibly paying him $20 million, $22 million, whatever you think he's going to get, uh, whatever, if he gets signed to an offer sheet, whatever you think you're going to have to match. Um, and I just don't see that. I don't. Um, like I said earlier, chemistry is a luxury that good teams have. When you are a bad team, you don't get the, the luxury of worrying about your team chemistry when you're going to be in the draft lottery. And if you get an offer that is – of the level that you think is a good return, you make that trade. You don't worry about this season. This season is no longer a factor when it comes to a Lonzo Ball trade. You are looking at the return, and you are looking at how that impacts next season and beyond. Um, you know, th- there's obviously still a chance that this team can compete for the 10 spot, the 10 seed in the West. Uh, there's also a chance that they could bottom out and get a great draft pick. Trading Lonzo Ball is completely, in my opinion, independent of that. Because this season is meaningless for in in the kind of purpose of what you're trying to build. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't see paying $20 million to Lonzo Ball for multi- multiple years as a way this team can kind of extend upward into the upper echelon of the West. And yeah, that's kind of where I land. David Griffin... I think I think David Griffin is willing to trade anyone if the price is right. So I think it's just a matter of wherever you get it. Mark Stein tweeted today that the Clippers are, you know, exploring whatever. You know, we're in that silly season of whatever rumors you can find out there. But um, I think there will be a market. The guy, the guy that I'm completely flummoxed on is JJ Redick, who's fallen out of the face of the earth with a sore heel. Um, I have no idea what to think of that. But the timing a, of a it, non-surgical is, uh, procedure on the heel. Yeah, whatever that means. Is that a massage? <laughs> <laughs> I could mean anything. I mean, my, I could I could go in the other room and have my wife ice my heel uh, because I said it was sore, and that could be a non-surgical you procedure. You held it under the hot water in the shower. It's, <laughs> it's a procedure of some kind. You had to, there are steps involved. But yeah, the, the timing, whenever you see a guy go out with kind of a bizarre injury that has no details and doesn't kind of make sense right around the trade deadline, you have to you have to kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit, but yeah. Uh, I'll just leave that one alone. Um, uh, yeah, with, with Lonzo, it's a, it's a tough decision, man. I mean, like if somebody, you know, came to me and they just said, okay, next year, would you, would you rather have Lonzo Ball on making $20 million, Eric Bledsoe making $18 million, which he's due for, Steven Adams making 17 and a half? I mean, I think no doubt about it, I would say of those three options, I would take Lonzo Ball making the 20, you know, next to next to 
um, Zion Williamson and, and Brandon Ingram, but the Pelicans are just in a tough spot, man. I mean, their their books are pretty clogged. Um, you know, Eric Bledsoe still under contract for one more year after this year. I don't know how you're getting off that unless you know you're providing a sweetener, like uh, probably even a first with with how poorly he's playing. I mean, Stephen Adams is on the books for two more years after this at seventeen and a half per. That makes things complicated, and that make means you have to make some difficult decisions. I think just the number one question that I hope the front office is operating with is how do we put the best team around Zion Williamson? I mean, because that's let's just keep the main thing the main thing here to uh, to steal a phrase from Pat Riley. Like, <laughs> I think Zion has showed this year he can be, you know, like the number one guy on a pretty good team. Like he's having you know, in all time season in terms of like scoring and efficiency. I've, I've said this a number of times in this podcast. There are two seasons prior to this one of a guy averaging 25 points per more and 60% shooting or better. Charles Barkley and Kevin McHale are the only other guys. Zion Williamson is likely going to become the third guy to do that this season. Like what you have there is great and real, and you should just be trying to put the best pieces around that. However you see fit. And, you know, part of me is thinking that like Lonzo kind of fits next to Zion, but part of me is also thinking like, well, you can't have your books completely clogged for a bunch of guys who've showed like they're just going to lose together. Um, so it's a tough one, man. It's it's a real tough one. Yeah, but I, I I think Lonzo, the way he's playing now, does fit next to Zion, but I also think that a wing who can shoot would also fit next to Zion too. But... I don't. I, I see. I see Lonzo fitting in stretches, and I also see Lonzo not fitting in stretches. And if you didn't have Eric Bledsoe kind of clogging that situation, it might be different. If if you were giving more run to Kyra, it might be different. But I don't think that if you keep Eric Bledsoe, that you can also keep Lonzo at whatever you're making, at whatever he's going to end up making. Um, what do you think the Pelicans would have to? give up to get to like beg someone to take Eric Bledsoe because it feels like it's just so bad yeah I mean probably like probably one of those Lakers firsts maybe not the one that's way out in the future but maybe the next one that's due like it would probably take that I mean it it's bad man I mean it's it's crazy that that he's been this bad he took eight shots in Thursday's game two of them were air balls another one was almost an air ball I mean, he's throwing up bricks. A couple and, of the free throws were almost air balls. And I don't even know how much of it is a lack of a confidence thing. I mean, I think it's certainly part of it. And how much of it is, you know, just him being invested in this situation. I mean, there are times when it doesn't seem like he's all the way there. But, I mean, it, that is an absolute disaster right now. And, you know, like there are just nights when – Things are so hard for Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson to score the ball because no one, you know, respects a lot of the outside shooting around them. Like when those guys were trying to attack Thursday, I mean, the paint was just clogged. I mean, there was there was really nothing for them to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would I would I would strongly look at um, trying to part ways with Blood. So um, let me uh, let me throw this fake trade at you and. I want, I want to see what you think. Um, I just made this one up today. Okay. Um, Nicole O'Malley 
Steven Adams and Lonzo Ball to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you'd get back Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. Gives you somebody you could throw out at the five who can stretch the floor. Larry Nance gives you some depth at, you know, like on the wing. Um, you can like run them out in small ball five lineups a little bit. I mean, you could have lineups of like um, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williams, and Larry Nance, Kevin Love, or I don't know. I mean, it gives you just, it makes you a little more versatile, gives you a little more shooting. Um, and that's, you know, that's if you don't want to, you don't feel like you want to pay Lonzo Ball. Yeah. Th- I mean, that's, that's, I, that may be a good deal. I, I honestly couldn't tell you because I have not watched the Cavs play basketball other than that <laughs> one Pelicans game. Uh, when they lost and, by a million. <laughs> right. And uh, Kevin Love, I feel like, I what, what has happened with Kevin Love? He, I feel like he hasn't played basketball in like three seasons. So that's another question for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the type of deal that you that you should be looking at when you're when you're trying to build around that. Um, teams that have a lot of these, you know, I always go back to the Celtics because the Celtics are overloaded with you know wings who can shoot, and they have this logjam. Um, the Hawks are another team that would make sense to me, but you know, the, I think there's a team out there that you can work something out, um, and it's just a matter of figuring out what it is. Uh, and, you know, trying to get them to part with the amount of assets that makes it worth your while. Um, but I do like Larry Nance. He can. I like his dad. I like him. Another gamer for Josh Hart to, to pal around with, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, if you're, if you're already this bad on defense, you know, this is kind of my thinking with this trade. Like, why, why not just, like, try to go all in on offense, you know? I mean, I just I just don't see any way, like, this defense is getting fixed with this roster, so why not just, you know, push your chips in and, and try to go in, all in on offense and, like, at least make this a little bit more fun because, man, no one's having fun right now. I mean, this is just miserable. You can, you can, you can just tell. Um, Jeff, we, we shouldn't spend any more time on this March Madness Friday talking about this miserable Pelicans team. Um, go get out of here and, and watch some games, man. I think so that was good. We shouldn't spend any more of this March Madness Friday talking about March sadness. Uh, <laughs> no, no. We should spend it watching games and foolishly buying Top Shot moments. But I should I should add, Christian did not fill out a bracket. He's one of those people. He watches I didn't it purely it for year. the love of the game, like a <laughs> like a like a nerd. No, that's not it at all. Honestly, this season, this NBA season is frankly just kicking my ass. I mean, there's just a lot of games, man. I mean, it's 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 a lot of games. I'm I'm getting uh I'm getting worn down a little bit. I will say but. though, like every March, I look forward to it because you know my birthday's in March. Me and Anthony Davis turning get a year older, and oh. you know we get to we share a birthday, uh, March 11th, which is also the anniversary of the you know, NBA not being a thing, but. Uh, and then like the NCAA tournament is probably my favorite sporting event of the year, just from start to finish. And it didn't really settle how much it depressed me to not have that last year until this all kind of got started. And I was watching, uh, what game was it? Drake and, uh, well, who's the other team? Wichita state yesterday, I think. And, uh, it was just nuts. It was a nuts basketball game. And I was like, this is the best thing. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I'm very excited. I, I am very pumped to just watch all the college basketball. Go UConn, fighting James Booknights. Gonna gonna turn himself into a top ten pick. Are you gonna watch uh, future New Orleans Pelican Cade Cunningham tonight? <laughs> I probably will. They're playing uh, who? Uh, Liberty, 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 Liberty. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a game and you know try to get a read on how he'll fit into the Pelicans front court. We'll see. <laughs> Things go like they are. Yeah, they could be getting there. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace out.